Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, coming up next, we got uh, Coach Chris Evans um, that coached me at the College of Charleston. And like our previous guests, we talk about um, how important um, assistant coaches are to the players um, and to the coaches. So um, uh, Coach Evans and I had a really, really great uh, experience um, with Tupac being our pivotal subject. So um, very, very great, great uh, experience. Um, let's get into the interview. What's up, big guy? How are you? Man, I'm doing well. How are you? You're looking good. We both got yeah. a little gray right here. There's a lot of gray right there. I had to cut <laughs> it off. Me too. <laughs> Me too. That's what's up. How you doing, man? You look good. Man, I'm trying to trying to keep and trying to hold it in the road, big guy. That's it. You 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 stay in shape, don't you? I have to, man. If I preach it, I got to live it. You know <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I can't be telling players do this, do that, and I'm all. Uh, so, so good. Well, hopefully, hopefully that'll continue, and don't don't get to be fifty six and uh, have to do yoga every morning just so you can move <laughs> like me. Well, I do yoga already just to relax. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. I love it. Yeah, I, love it. I believe yeah. in uh, prevention versus treatment. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Good point. Yes, you always had those mantras, you know. <laughs> those little sayings man that's what i loved about you that's what i love having conversations with you all those little mantras yeah yeah i was just just talking to uh shake about that and we'll get into that the, the definitely the park stories that's 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 gonna be a a good story we'll get into but um i know we're strapped for time and uh i appreciate you being on i appreciate you coming on i think you know your story and um uh, in the relationships you you've built you know, with the colleges is huge. And uh, we try to, um, you know, create this platform where uh, coaches, student athletes, parents can come on and get information and uh, help them with the, 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 the process of getting to the next level. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's where, I mean, I'm trying to do that up here, but my, your, your next level, I think is a little different than my next level. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's a small town here. So yeah. we have, you know, very rarely will we have any division one players up here. Right, uh, right. You know, I've, I got a couple sophomores right now, twins who are about six five, six six, who have a chance, mm -hmm. um, but they have a uh, athletically, they have a long way to go. Right. Well, they can get it, you know, academically, and it's all as you yeah. know, it's all about not the NBA. It's all about just you know using this round ball to get a free education, and then yeah. you, can, you you can do what you want after that, and that's that's the whole point. That's the message we we try to preach as well. 
Well, I mean, it's interesting that you bring that up as well, because I mean, there, I think there are so many different avenues that you can take to, to get to where you want to go. And my son, you know, unfortunately had uh, my genetics. <laughs> so he was, he was, he was small, but he was also slow. Right. right. Um, but he was, uh, he was a great shooter and he probably could have played division three somewhere, but Mel, I was just in, in Dayton, Ohio on Sunday and he's a manager at St. Bonaventure and he's on that floor and he's cutting that net down and he's getting that ring wow. and he's a part wow. of it. And he's a part of the guys and he's part of the program and he's, you know, he wants to work his way up. And I, you know, for me, I, and I talked to him about this, that's a, you go from, from being a pretty good high school basketball player and setting three point records, that whole deal. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to swallow your pride and you become a manager for mm-hmm. a division one team because you can't play at that level. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, I, I think that says a lot about, you know, character. And so sure. that's his way of getting there. And he's getting some money as, as right. a manager. Right. So right. it's two yeah. for one. Least you get, exactly. We played, we didn't get any money, but that's another story. <laughs> but coach, <laughs> coach, <laughs> take us back to, you know, um, you know, where, where you, where you first started, you know, like your childhood years, the park and ride rivals and, you know, take us back to what that looked like. And, and um, when you started liking this thing and how, how, how it became a love of yours. You know, Mel, I, I was a, I was a baseball kid early on, and then I got bored playing because I would stand at shortstop or wherever and hit the ball to me, hit the ball to me, and it would never get hit to me. You know, so I got bored, and and uh, there was nobody, nobody, no basketball person in my family at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I was a boys club kid. I'd go to that boys club, and I would see these guys playing playing hoops, and I wanted to join, and I wanted to join, and I just I fell in love with it, even though I was you know small and weak and skinny and and uh, not very fast. Um, I just became very skilled and uh, I just, you know, loved, loved, loved the game. And the boys club, that's something, I don't know if that happens as much where, anymore. Coach, I, where, 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 in, 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 in Owego, New York, you know, okay. it's, it's a small, it's, it's Tioga County. It's, it's just uh, a little bit West of Binghamton. And uh, you know, I don't know if that happens as much anymore, Mel, where, where little kids go and I have to play with 20, you know, I'm 12 and I'm playing with 20 year old kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm getting the crud kicked out of me and right. I'm down on the floor and somebody's kicking me as they're running by. And he's like, like hey, either get up or get out. Right. You know, <laughs> right. so I had no choice. Right. And I don't know how often that happens. It seems like, uh, you know, adults want to be there all the time running the show and they're all the same age. And I, I really think it's important that you learn from the older people For sure. and and uh, and gain that kind of understanding and that toughness. Um, so that was, I was very fortunate that I, that I learned from a lot of older people at that boys and girls club. It was a boys club then it's a boys and girls mm-hmm. club now. And, uh, we, uh, you know, you had to be there Saturday mornings, Mel, it, it, we played at nine o'clock, right? The doors would open at nine o'clock. You'd have to be there probably by eight fifteen. wait yeah. outside in the snow. If you were going to get in the game in that right. first game right. and put your name up there and get in that game. And, and, uh, so that was, and it was, it was pretty good competition, you know? And, uh, so I learned a lot there and, uh, you know, I played in high school. I, I played division three college, Geneseo. It's a state university. Hold, hold on coach. What, what do you have like any rec programs? What programs do you have in, in the, in the, in the city? And like, like you had like a uh, uh, kids league or rec league. What, 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 what kind of programs? Yeah, we go. Well, I mean, right now it's, it's very well organized right now. We have uh, what's called the uh, Owego Appalachian tribe right now. It's a, it's an AAU organization, but it's also a travel league organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, so 
for years, uh, I would take my, and, and my basketball coach in high school would, would take us over to the boys club and we would do clinics every Saturday morning for the little kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we would, yeah, they have rec leagues at the, at the boys and girls club, uh, for both boys and girls. They have, um, you know, again, we're heavily involved because it's a small town. So right, everybody's right. very, very, very connected. Right. And uh, and we kind of keep that going. That's the only way you can keep a program going, Mel, is to to stay connected with the with the third graders and the fourth graders and the fifth grade. That kind you got to have a feeder system. You got to have a feeder you have system. to. Yeah, you, you have so, to. So you started playing and then you started loving it. And then um, you went to high school and you start playing. Did you have a um, like what were your you know accolades in high school and how did that lead to your recruiting wars? And how did you start playing Division three? You know, I, I was. Uh, I was a marginal, I don't know. I guess I was a little bit better than average. You know, I made the all-star, you know, area, Binghamton area, all-star teams. And I think I averaged around 16 points a game my senior year, but remember Mel, no three pointer. Right. (laughs) Right. So, you know, and I rarely, you know, I was a skinny, skinny, skinny guy. And and again, I couldn't, I couldn't get around a lot of people, but I could shoot it. Mm -hmm. So everything was, was deep, deep, deep. And, uh, you know, we were kind of a slow, methodical team. We ran a lot of sets, kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't say that we were slow or methodical at the College of Charleston, but I was used to that whole idea of set plays. Gotcha. And, uh, and, and, and a lot different from today's, and maybe we'll talk about that <laughs> at some point. Sure. Uh, but uh, we, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a longtime coach who had played at, uh, a, he was a Division three player at Cortland State, another state university up here. And he knew basketball very, very well, and he, he lived it. He was a, he was a lifer and uh, he taught me a lot. And, uh, and I became a, a, a pretty decent guard uh, who had a good handle and could shoot it. And, uh, and there were, I was not heavily recruited. There were a few trips that I went on and I, I just remember going to a division three school, Geneseo, who, who was very, very good recently. And uh, they weren't, we were 500 when I was there, mm-hmm. but uh, I just remember playing very well. It was one of those trips where I'm sure the coach was, you know, he's really nice to me, but I'm sure he wanted to see me actually play, see if right. I was any good. Right. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I played really, really well. So, um, you know, you know, academically, Division three, you got to do well academically for because sure. that's where you can get some money. Right. You know, they're not giving scholarships for athletics, but right. you can. Don't, don't let anybody fool you. I think that's important that the kids understand that Division three, if you do really, really well academically, uh, I, have a, I have a kid, uh, his name is Kobe Bogart, who played for me uh, for three years. Uh, he's the second leading scorer in school history, Mel. Uh, this 6'4", six, 6'5", six, just strong. But he, the reason he doesn't play Division One right now is because he doesn't play above the rim. Mm-hmm. Very strong, excellent shooter, uh, set all sorts of records here, and, uh, and is now having a pretty good career at Nazareth College, which is where Jeff Van Gundy played mm-hmm. in, uh, in Rochester, New York. And he's getting school paid for because uh, he did well academically. Well, coach, I mean, and that's and that's the reason why, you know, I wanted to, you know, bring light because not not every, you know, guest we we speak to, um, will speak to, have spoken to, is this six five athlete that got recruited number one in the country and got to school through athletics. There's all the different different loopholes that athletes don't know about. That you know, I just I just mentioned in the podcast earlier that um, beat your, your your opposition out in the books, right? you got this great athlete that's not a, a, a good student. Well, I can't say that. He's not applying himself to be a good student. Yes, sir. His grades are is not as uh, what, is, what they need to be. So if you're an okay 
somewhat skilled uh, player with great academic grades, you can you could fit yourself in there, and that's what you did. So I just wanted to bring that. So that's why I'm I'm pulling that story out because that's the story that you know that that athletes need to hear. And my son, my, my youngest son did the same. My youngest son was a little quicker uh, than I was. He, he's got this little, you'd like this. He's got this little 15, 16 foot pull-up jump shot. He gets up mm-hmm. and, but he's, he was two inches smaller than me, but he's playing both. Uh, um, this year is an odd year because of COVID. So he's at right. a division three school, St. John Fisher, which is right across the street from Nazareth in Rochester. And uh, he's, he's, he wants to play both golf and basketball. Well, the COVID thing really messed things up because now both seasons are at the same time starting right now. Yeah. So strange. So he's talked to, uh, to both coaches and because he played golf in the, in the uh, fall, he's actually going to continue with golf right now, but he will. I, I, and he's the type of kid he'll probably end up trying to play both uh, for the next three years or so. And uh, he went to St. John Fisher, Mel, obviously no athletic scholarships. That kid you know, he's got great grades, great SAT scores, and he kept calling different schools and he would call St. John Fisher, the admissions office and say, hey, uh, you know, Marquette is going to give me so much money for this. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and uh, and I got into Marquette and, um, you know, and he, he applied everywhere to all these schools. Right. So then he played them against each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, I'm getting this much money from mm-hmm. from Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And then you know, but I'm only getting so much and I really like St. John Fisher. So if you, so he, he talked them down mm. about an extra four or five grand mm. a semester mm. because you can play those schools again. Schools need bodies. They need to fill those beds. They need students. And I think that, that your listeners should be aware of that, that it's like shopping for a car, you know, and, and, uh, and it's a racket and, mm-hmm. and you can, you can use that to your advantage. And this time my message, we got Charlton Singleton. For any musician or anybody that's in entertainment or, or anything for that matter, it all comes down to practice. For sure. You know, um, uh, being the exceptional basketball player that you are, how many times you sat in that gym and just just shot free throws? Right. <laughs> you know, right. you know it came down to how many times I was in you know, my house playing scales or learning a new song uh, that I had to do, you know, for a major event or learning some new technique, anything that was going to help me become a better uh, trumpet player or a better piano player or a better vocalist or whatever. That's what I knew I had to do. Um, sometimes it's it's just studying, you know, other people that's on that instrument. Now let's get back to the interview. Well, they a lot they a, a lot of student athletes. I did it, you did it. We want to we want the degree difficulty, right? We want to go to the big university because that's what they've seen a lot. But we got to be, you know, reasonable uh, with ourselves and our talent and identify those things. And that's something that's you say it's like you say it's hard to swallow. But once it's identified. Um, I think we can, you know, as players, we can move forward. And that's why that, that message is so powerful. So, so coach, why in college, um, you know, who did you play for and um, what are some things you learned from that coach? And uh, well, I played for a guy named Tom Pope who, uh, you know, I have two, two of my best friends were my, my college teammates. 
And, and Mel, we get together, uh, you know, once a year or, or twice a year. And in fact, I just saw one of them uh, down in Columbus, Ohio, because on my way to Dayton to, to the game on, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we obviously, like you guys, we rehash old stories and everything. And, and our old opinion of our, of our coach in, in college was that uh, I don't know if we got him at the wrong time. I don't know if he was burned out at the time because he was a longtime coach. I, I thought he was a very good uh drills coach in practice okay Mm -hmm. game coach you know I look back on it now and I'm just not sure Mm -hmm. but because I I think he was just I think he was burned out quite frankly Mm -hmm. um he was very sarcastic he would uh you know there there are there are ways that coaches you know challenge kids and challenge kids and push you you know and I think of myself as pushing kids beyond the limitations they've already set for themselves Right. right he uh he never built us back up. He never put an arm around us mm. and gave us some love. You know? So, you know, maybe we learned some, some things there on, on how not to do things. He had some great drills mm. and, and he was always uh, stealing from other coaches, these kind of cool drills, which, you know, I appreciated. Uh, but I, again, we didn't have the three point line until uh, my senior year in college it was 1987. Yep. And it's uh, a long time ago. And, uh, and that's when it, that's when it came in and that kind of changed my, the arc of my career up a little bit at that point. Um, because, uh, you know, I was, I was a shooter and I really couldn't get by, I could handle it, but I not like you, I couldn't get by people right. wasn't quick enough. And, uh, so that changed the, the arc of my career there. And, um, and I, and I just kept playing some of us, Mel, uh, especially, you know, people with <laughs> slow, weak people like me. Um, we end up coming into our own a little bit by the time we're 22, 23, mm. 24, it's almost mm. after college. Mm. And, uh, and that's kind of when, when I hit the, the apex of, of my talent, I think. And I ended up going over to Ireland and playing two seasons in Ireland and, uh, and putting up 50 some games, mm. <laughs> so, mm. you know, and that, that was a lot of fun. It was, that was, that was so much How'd fun. How did you get to Ireland coach? Did you have an agent or? No, I made phone calls, Mel. I made phone calls and I wrote, Self. And there were a few people around here who had, who had played over there. One of the coaches is still here. He played a year over there and I called him and I called people and they just put me in touch with, with people over there. And, uh, and I called it. I actually initially went over just to work a camp <clears throat> in the, in the, in the Republic of Ireland, the Southern part of Ireland. And I met a lot of really, really neat people, lifelong friends, Mel. And um, you know, it, it, it's, we, we, I, I say that we have the, my, dinner table, I think two Februarys ago was like the United Nations. Um, because one of my really, really great friends from Ireland is a, a six foot five black guy who grew up in, in Tallahassee, Florida. And he went to Roger Williams University Division II school in Rhode Island. And he went to Ireland in 1983. And he stayed there for the rest of his life. He married an Irish girl. Mm. He has two children. And uh, one of his children this is the weirdest thing in the world. I didn't meet one of them. One of them I met who was in diapers. He is now the national goaltender for the for the Irish team, the wow. Irish soccer team, right? Wow. And he plays he plays in the Premier League. He plays for West Ham. He's wow. a goaltender. His name is Darren wow. Randolph. That's like being in the NFL over there, right? right. And then um, the youngest son, who I never met, he hadn't been born yet. Uh, his name is Neil Randolph. He played college basketball at Elmira College, Division Three, forty <laughs> minutes from my house. Wow. So they would come over to visit, and they would stay stay at our house, and and uh, and it was. It's just a, a very unique set of circumstances and, um, and a life that I'm you know, very grateful to have and the experiences that I had. I'm you know, really, really fortunate. I mean, and that's, that's what this, 
that's what this round ball brings, right? It's the equalizer, you know, it's exactly the, it helps, helps men's relationships. It helps, you know, uh, you know, just break down barriers, the whole nine. And, um, and I'm fortunate. I mean, without this, we wouldn't even be talking right now because we wouldn't know each other. And exactly. um, that's that's the whole point of this. So, Coach, you know, after you you know played in, in Ireland a little bit, I guess you you know wanted to continue your career in coaching. Um, take us back to the transition from Ireland to the next phase of your life. Well, I, again, it, it was it's pretty unique. Um, I uh, ended up. Uh, landing a job. I was actually, uh, you know, right out of college. I didn't, you know, there was a year or two where I was in radio, believe it or not, right out of college before I went to Ireland. I was still playing men's league. That's a radio here. voice. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was in radio for a while. So I, um, I, but I still wanted to play. So I ended up going to Ireland, but I came back. I, I was in radio again. I was coaching a freshman basketball team. I was coaching a JV basketball team here at my old school. Uh, this is back in the late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, and I was actually going to be the varsity basketball coach here. And it just turned out that, that there was an administrator who, who kind of wanted to coach his, his son for the last two years of his career. And one thing happened and another thing happened. And there was a, there was a board member who wasn't happy about the way the whole thing went down. And he gave me a call and he says, listen, why don't you uh, get out of town for a while? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I can get you a teaching job. And you probably get a coaching job in, uh, in South Texas. And I said, all right, I'm ready to go. And uh, I went to a place called Brownsville, Texas, which is right on the border. Mel, it's 99% Hispanic. Mm. Um, I, uh, Mexican-American, loved, loved, loved the kids. I loved the culture. I loved everything about it. Uh, I was there a year, but I was offered a, a great job at a place called Marine Military Academy, which is 20 minutes up the road mm. from the school where I was uh, in Harlingen, Texas, uh, right near South Padre Island. And, um, and I coached there for, for three years. I taught English and I, and I coached there for three years and Mel, I had some great players. Uh, mm -hmm. I had a kid out of Dunbar named Billy Wells, uh, who was a fantastic player, went on and played at, uh, uh, got in some trouble later on, but went on and played at, uh, at Delaware. Uh, I had uh, a kid from Yugoslavia named Robert. Was Billy, Wells, was Billy Wells a, a guard, a dark skin guard? Yes. Lefty. Yep. Talk a lot of trash. Yes. What year, what yes. year was that? That would have been uh, 1993. No, 90, yeah, right around 90, 93, 94. Okay. Well, it must have been a different Wells thing. And that, I, I didn't, I finished in 99, but it was a Billy Wells that, okay, was, wasn't the same kid. Okay, go ahead, continue. So he, uh, and he, he was, he got, he got some trouble after, after Delaware. He went to Tulane and then he transferred and went to Delaware. Uh, he was a very good player. And I had a, a kid from Yugoslavia, a 6'7 kid named Robert Balgach, who played at Mount St. Mary's Division I in, in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And uh, I had some other uh, kids who – I had a kid who, was, who played football uh, at, uh, at Kentucky. Uh, he, was, he was that good. Uh, I had, um, you know, some really, really good Division I athletes, and we had a blast. And we did kind of the barnstorming tour around Texas and, and played everybody who wanted to play. And, and, and it was a lot of fun. And, the, the commandant at the time, the general at the time, wanted to, to kind of up the program a little bit. So he allowed me to do some recruiting and, and make some phone calls and get some kids there who needed scores. At that mm -hmm. time, um, you know, we, we had kids who needed their SAT scores mm. and uh, needed the grades. Mm. And, and that was a place where you could do nothing else, Mel, <laughs> except march at 530 in the morning and, uh, and, uh, and academically and then play hoops. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that was it. And I had a, 
uh, a friend. Uh, he's still a friend to this day, six foot eight guy named Marlon Chambers, who uh, who actually moved. I don't know if you knew this or not, but he helped me move all my furniture into that little apartment on Wentworth Street, that basketball house. He helped me carry that couch up those back stairs. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and uh, he came because because I was taking him to visit uh, a Spartanburg Methodist. Uh, junior college mm -hmm. and then then he came later on and stayed at my house in Owego because he was visiting Iona but he ended up playing both football and basketball at southeastern Louisiana okay and uh, he was uh, he, he was a man and uh, just a great kid but like you said without basketball I never meet these people and I never establish these relationships and uh, I never walk around Corpus Christi with Marlon Chambers who says to me coach I want you to know it's a good thing you're with me right now, because if I wasn't with you, I'm not sure you would be okay right now. <laughs> you know? so, but, but in stories like that, you know, right. I just, uh, that's, that was a, it's a, a, a very unique uh, time for me. Hey, what's up guys? Check this out. If you're coming into the Charleston area or maybe leaving at the Charleston area, and you want to avoid long lines and be greeted by friendly, sweet people, go check out Mark over at Avis and Budget Car Rental at 7685 Northwoods Boulevard. When you go see Mark and you mention Triple Threat Podcast, you receive 30% discount on your rental. They also offer compact to large SUVs and vans to rent with quick, easy transaction and check us out and limited mileage on most rentals. So give Mark a call at 843-572-3190. Don't forget to mention Triple Threat Podcast. So from your success in that, at that school, did that lead you to you know, to the College of Charleston, or did you wait a, had a, a stint before that? No, I, I met, uh, you know, I was working a lot of camps, and I, and I worked at Rutgers basketball camp a few years, and I met Coach Yarborough at those the, the Rutgers basketball camp. And, uh, and then when uh, Coach had actually called me out of the blue when I was in Texas and said that, uh, you know, Greg Marshall was leaving, and uh, there was a, an opening on the staff at the College of Charleston uh, with Dwayne Grace and Jim Yarborough and, of course, the legendary John Cress. And... Right. Um, and I came up and I, and I interviewed and my, my, my interview plan, I don't know if coach Crest knows this was, was to talk some hoops. And, and I thought I knew everything about basketball. And then I got to the first practice mail and I realized I knew nothing about <laughs> basketball. Right. But my, my interview plan was to talk old St. John's basketball. Cause I knew John Crest had played there. He, he was all about St. John. So I just started throwing out because I grew up with the big East. Right. And I started throwing out all these St. John's players from the past, Mike Moses, you know, and, 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 and David Russell and Billy Goodwin and all these, you know, Wennington, you know, the big seven foot Canadian guy. So I just started throwing out these names. So he and I just talked about St. John's basketball. Mm. <laughs> so that was the interview basically. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, uh, and I, and I was so fortunate and uh, you know, back then it was, it was a tough move because that remember that was the restricted earnings coach position. Right. So they only right. allowed you to make so much money, the NCAA. Right. Uh, and uh, so I, I took a, a big pay cut to, uh, to live out a dream. Mm, mm. And you made a, a good point coach that the audience and, you know, players 
former players that want to get into coaching, you know, when you go in, especially in these interview process, you made a good, uh, a, a, a good, a good point coach. You got to know the person who's interviewing you, right? Cause it's all about making them feel comfortable in that room. If you're, you know, on, on, on defense the whole time, you never would, you know, get anywhere. And I think you being prepared, understanding where he, where he was from and, and engaging in conversation made him comfortable. And that's what it's all about. It ain't about what you know, because you can't really gauge that into a conversation. It's all about how you can build that relationship, how you can engage with that person and you, and you knock it out of the, because I, I mean, I wanted to, you know, you got different coaches coming from different players, I mean, different, different schools. You didn't come from a major college, but then you end up to a, a big, big major school, you know, and that's, I wanted to bring light to that. Well, and then and you made the point a lot better than I did. Uh, you have to do your homework, right? So you have to know where you're going to do and do your homework and, and do, you know, some, and, and it's easy now. All you do is go on Google and you can look things up. Right. But, you know, I was not a, I was in the Northeast, but I was not a five-star kid. I didn't have those connections. I didn't right. go to five-star with Calipari and Jay Wright and all those guys. I, you know, I, so I didn't have a lot of those connections and, and I, and I tried and I wrote letters and I, and I tried to meet people and start making those connections. And, um, you know, quite frankly, the only thing that I had really going for me was, was basketball because, you know, I was a pretty shy kid, uh, Mel, you know, I, I could run my mouth, but I, I wasn't real confident. And the, you know, the place where I gained that confidence was on the basketball court. That's the place where I kind of defined myself. Right. And, and, and that's what kind of led me to, to, you know, you guys and, and the college of Charleston and, and, uh, and getting there and, and learning um, so much and, and learning that I did not know a thing. And, and I that's thought I did. Ask, I was going to ask you what, you know, what, give me, give me two things you, you, you learned from coach Chris or, or just in that, that stint of your, in, in, in your coach career and how do you apply them, you know, today? Well, the, the first the first thing I learned was I, I looked around because he starts talking about dribble blocks. <laughs> I'm looking around everybody go, what's a dribble block? I don't, what's a dribble block? Finally, somebody whispers in my ear, that's a ball screen. <laughs> so, it's the dribble. Right. so he's using this old terminology, right? You know, that, that he used with Joe Lapchick and, you know, that's an old St. John's date. So, uh, you know, those little terminology was a, was a lot, you know, and, and getting used to all that. Uh, I can remember that watching him and he's talking about we're, we're in motion. We weren't the greatest motion team and, and we're running set plays well, but he's really honing in on you guys, making sure that you get great angles to your screens. Right. Mm. You know, so the whole idea was taking two steps, like you're going to face cut mm. and then turn and set that screen. So your butts pointed toward the ball. Right. Mm. So, and, and I'm thinking little things like that. So there were, there were so many um, little nuances um, that I didn't really know about. And then, of course, the preparation, Mel, the preparation, the, the over-preparedness. The, uh, the pre I don't know if you remember when he, when he did those videos, <laughs> he would have the easel in his office and he'd have these big, huge whiteboards on the easel and he'd be taking copious notes, 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 and he'd have these easels set up on the court and he'd be out there and he'd be basically, you don't know him, but he's reading off these notes as he's doing these videos on whether he's doing set plays or whether he's, he's talking about flex or, or, or his uh, 2-2-1 press or whatever he's talking about. And, and the preparation was just amazing. Mel, I, you probably knew this, but we'd have a two and a half hour practice and we would prepare for four hours for that two and a half hour practice. 
Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I was talking to, uh, I think it was Betts, and he's like, you know, sometimes they have they have meetings before practice, then practice, and meetings after that. You know, he's like, we never, you know, some coaches have offices. Every, everybody was together the whole time, always meeting. You know what I mean? And that's the whole thing about communication and preparation. It's, it's so important. And, you know, with, with being a great leader, you have to fill your staff with people that's, you know, like-minded, you know, think the way you think or move the way you move. And going back to assistant coaches and how crucial um, role they play into engaging the athletes because the head coach can't always be given the, the, you know, his player, some players favoritism. And I take him back to our story coach and, you know, me being from Burke high school, you know, uh, different environment transition to an environment, but I still carry that, 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 uh, my posture into that environment, right? I listen to Tupac, you know, I'm quiet, stay to myself. I got my headphones on. And they'll forget, you know, we, I don't know how we engage in conversation, but he, he, he was like, hey, Mel, what do you listen to? What's going on? I was like, man, coach, this is Tupac. Like, you don't, do you not know what this is about? And he was like, well, no. I was like, well, you know, come to my, come to my room. We sit down, we talk about it. And uh, I came to the room, played Park, and we, and we talked about it. And, and I think that helped me understood you when, when, when you were able to, uh, let me in and, and wanted to know what I was thinking, what I was feeling. Right. And, and I think that helped me open up a lot because, you know, I'm, 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 I'm confined. I'm, I'm, I'm very observant, but at the same time, I'm still not ready. Like you say, to step out and, 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 and experience new things and different and, and see new things. So I appreciate, you know, you being that, uh, that, uh, that coach that, that, that come in and make everything comfortable. And, and not only, you know, questioning or judging, but wanting to understand, you know, what we were thinking. Well, I, you know, I appreciate that, but I, I got to be honest with you. I think I, I learned a hell of a lot more from you guys than you probably ever did for me. And, and that was, uh, you know, part of my growth as well. I know you guys were younger and I was fairly young, but, but it was, uh, it, that, that's a huge part of my growth and my experience was learning from you and, and seeing what you did and seeing the commitment that you made, Mel, the, the, the getting up uh, and getting your siblings off to school uh, and, and, and making your way over to the, to the weight room and lifting weights by six o'clock in the morning or 6.15 or 6.30, taking care of business. And then, and Jamel, your name, you, I've been teaching English for nearly 30 years. By the way, we have Tupac in our AP literature book, um, but I've been teaching English for, for nearly 30 years and your name comes up every single year. Um, so hundreds and hundreds of kids know the name Jermel president because you were, and I know that you're younger, but it was, for me, you were one of my heroes. You were one of, uh, you were somebody I really looked up to and I admired, um, because I saw your level of commitment and your level of responsibility and, uh, and you took that on. And I just, I, I've always admired that and I admire what you're doing right now. And, and you've always been, you know, that guy. And, um, so again, that gives me somebody who's, who's from Lily White, Owego, New York, you know, uh, another experience that I can take with me forever. And, and I can share that with, with the world, you know, it, however I share it with the world, or I can share it with my students. They're part of the world, you know? Right, right. That's, that's awesome. And I'm pretty sure there's thousands of stories like that, but that's what, that's what you know, being in, involved, and that's what this, this thing does. You know what I mean? It, it, because 
it's the unknowing, right? The, and if you don't talk to anybody and communicate and understand differences, then I don't think there's no growth. There's exactly. no growth from it. So um, again, I thank you for that. Um, moving forward into our next topic, Coach, you know, something that hit us last year was the pandemic and it Oof. killed, just killed basketball. It killed everything. Um, what, um, how, how have you experienced um, the pandemic and what changes have your team and you went through and how you coming, coming out of that right now? Well, we, we, um, yeah, we, we, it was a struggle for a while. We, we, we practiced for, you know, I've been the, the varsity coach here for a number of years. I was uh, just to give you a, a little background. I, I coached for, I don't know if it was when I, when I came back from the college of Charleston and, and uh, you know, we were in Texas for another year. And then my wife was like, I don't know. I don't want to do this. We were actually in Colorado Springs for about eight months. And then we thought, uh, we wanted to to raise our child, our first child, Dylan, near family. So she was like, we're either going to go back to Texas or go to New York. And there was an English opening here. And uh, so I became an English teacher and I actually wasn't coaching basketball. I was coaching a lot of AAU. I coached girls AAU, D1 players. There was a girl I coached named Erica Smith who ended up going to the College of Charleston. She's from Watertown, New York. Uh, and, uh, and I actually made some phone calls on her behalf. And I had a lot of really good girl players. And uh, I'd never coached girls before. Uh, Mel, if, if you get them on your side, they'll run through that wall for you. And they never question you. <laughs> Guys question you all the time. Coach, I coach girls when, and, and, and the travel team, my first, my first year coach, and, I, and, and you're absolutely right. And, and, and I love watching girls basketball right now, college, not high school. And the reason why yeah. is because, because they lack athleticism, they do everything right. It's, yeah. like, it's, like, it's, like, a simple, it's like It's like music out there. It's a ballet. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, 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 and I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I still wanted, you know, my heart still wanted to get back to the, to the guys. And I ended up getting uh, the job, I think, in 2004, 2005. And they had won. I, the reason I got the job is because the, the previous three years, I think they'd won two games, one game and three games, something like that. Yeah. So that first year I took over. And, and of course, it's all John Crest. It's all College of Charleston stuff. You know, and, and we win 15 games and we win our sectional title and we go to states, you know, the whole deal. And, you know, the, these kids on the team, they hadn't won. You know, I had a kid who was a senior who'd won four total games in seventh grade, wow. you know, wow. and he's winning, uh, you know, 15 games. And he's, uh, you know, they're, everybody's all excited. So it was it was great. And, um, you know, it was just it was a change. I, I challenged them. I um, you probably wouldn't realize this because I was very quiet as an assistant coach, I think, for the most part you know, during games. And as a, as a head coach, I'm, uh, I can get a little obnoxious. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit hard on my kids too hard still to this day. I thought I would, would chill out after a while. It, practices are great. And I, and I, and again, I give them a lot of love locker room. I give them a lot of love. I never go crazy in the locker room. I'm pretty even keeled. And this time out message, we got Raquel. Thomas. And AC4 produced several uh, players that went on to play in college, D1, D2 ball. So those were our rivals. Um, we pretty much rocked every other house we went into. It wasn't really much competition, but when we showed up for those games, you know, it was the best team that night that was going to win. Um, you know, I think my entire basketball career in high school, I averaged several figures, but by the time I was a senior, I was 27, 27, 9, and 4. 
27 points, nine assists, and four rebounds, you know, ran the point guard. And, you know, in high school, you can play every position. It doesn't matter how big you are, sure. you know, but uh, high school was uh, something. I think I had my career high, though, my senior year. I had 47 points in the game uh, regional, and we lost. We lost by one point in the regionals. I tore my rotator cuff in that game, as a matter of fact. But it was uh, my best game of the season, best uh, high school career game. Now let's get back to the interview. Hold on, let me let me let me let me give you some big ups about something that I meant I meant to mention, but I forgot. Like again, <clears throat> you coming in, it's like a new teacher. Like all players, if you're a student and the new teacher coming, if the sub come in, you're gonna try the sub, right? You wanna see how strong what they know. So as players, when a new coach come in, okay, what's his credentials? What do you got going on, right? And again, you wasn't a six-two, six-three coach. Uh, athletic build, you know, warm up pants. Like you were Stan Smith, right? <laughs> Shorts, like short khaki duck head. You know what I mean? <laughs> Above the knees. Listen, shirt tucked in with your belt showing. Yep. All that. Yep. Glasses. Stan, like, yeah. so you didn't fit the most. So, but it's like how you did with the interview with coach. You find, you found your way to get in based on what your strength and talent was, right? You, you wouldn't allow when you come to the side with shooting, like you come like, oh, hey, hey, coach, hey, Mel, look. And, and that's where you got in. And that's where you, you build relationships because you, 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 you talk to us, not you didn't compete with how other coaches approached us. You know, you figured out your own way. You're very creative with that. So I just want to say big ups to that. And in and, and the audience, always being creative into because there's three levels that you did it on trying to get a, a job uh, um, collegially and then. Um, building a relationship with your players that probably didn't really identify you as a coach when you first came in. So I just wanted right. to, you know, just just give you some 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 props on that, coach. Well, thanks. I, you know, it is. It's all about relationships. You're, you're you're exactly right. And even with the kids, I think to a certain extent, they they allow me to get on them and challenge them a lot because we built those relationships. For if sure. you haven't built those relationships, you can't challenge anybody. You have to you have to build and you have to develop that trust. It's the same thing as a teacher for the last 30 years. If I can't teach a thing, if the kids don't trust me, okay, it's never going to happen. Um, so we have to build that community of trust, you know. And that's a that's a constant ongoing process. And sometimes you know it it, it sometimes it, it takes a dip, and sometimes you have to work on fixing it. And but that's that's again that's part of the process. Exactly. Um, but I, I you know I I love being a teacher and I love coaching and. And again, uh, I coached for about seven years. And actually, Mel, I stopped coaching our varsity basketball team for three years because my kids were real small at the time and I was missing out on everything. Mm. And I wanted to be a dad and I didn't mm. want to miss everything. Mm. So uh, I, I gave it up for a few years. And then when they started getting older, <laughs> idiot me didn't trust anybody else to coach. <laughs> so, so I got back in the game and slowly, you know, and then, then got the varsity job again. And I've been there for what the last four or five years. And, uh, and we've been very successful the last four. I was able to coach my kids, which was a whole different ball of wax. And, uh, and, and again, something I, I, I always talk to them about to this day uh, and, and how, I was a little bit, you know, harder on them than I probably was anybody else, like the typical dad. Uh, but we, we didn't talk about it a lot in the car ride home. You know, I tried to keep my mouth shut there. 
which I think is really important. Um, but I did, uh, you know, practices and games. I, I was, I was pretty tough uh, on both of them. One of them, uh, the older one would, he and I would, would go at it a little bit. The younger one would just look at me like, like, yeah, who are you? <laughs> He'd just go play. Right. So, uh, you know, different kids, but um, you know, we've been very successful. So we get to this year and we get the pandemic to get to your question. I feel like I'm John Crest. You ask me one thing and I just go for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> so the, the pandemic uh, question is um, we, we didn't think we we're going to play. We, we started practicing in November and we, we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't know, but all the kids, it was not mandatory practice and they were all coming anyway because they wanted, they wanted this escape. You know, they, a lot of them are virtual. They're at home. I still have, I'm still teaching hybrid. I've, I've got kids up on the screen. I've got kids in class. And, uh, but a lot of them, they wanted it so badly. So they're all there every day. And then we learn, you know, slowly, slowly, New York state was late and it was, we have a, a governor issue right now that I, I won't talk about. <laughs> and, and, uh, so it was about. late. Yeah, it was late. And, and, uh, so we, uh, we finally are allowed to, to play games. They gave us 10 games, Mel. We started in, um, February. And, uh, and they gave us 10 games. They allowed us to play 10 games. And, uh, and we played the last, the last week, <clears throat> played four games in six days. <laughs> like a tournament. Oh, my gosh, it was. It's crazy. So we finished eight and two. I'm, I'm, we're very, very young. Uh, I had four sophomores playing lots of time. Uh, we finished eight and two, which, uh, you know, wasn't bad. We didn't play the, the normal difficult schedule that we usually do. I had a team last year, uh, Mel, that finished 10 and 10. And we finished 26th in the state. Wow. We had wow. we had teams who had 18, 20 wins who were ranked behind us because wow. of the schedule we played. We played all double A's and A's. And um, and the two B's we played was the number one team in the state and the number 12 team in the state who we beat by 20. So it was, uh, you know, the, the class B. So we were we were very good, but, but our schedule was was crazy. And this year we didn't play that uh, that that really, really difficult schedule. So I'm not. I'm not sure where we'll be next year. We got a lot, a lot of work to do in the off season. Uh, so, um, you know, and I, I look forward to it. I, you know, I, I love being with the kids and I love coaching them and coaching summer leagues and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Well, what's your, uh, you know, when, in, the, in the, all the years you've been playing and, and, and coaching and what's your overall philosophy of, of, of coaching? Again, I think it's, it's, uh, it's my job to, to, really cajole, push, prod kids past limitations that they've already set for themselves. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's about, uh, it's all about team. It's about, uh, selflessness. It's, um, sharing the ball. I, 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 you and I probably would agree on this. The old school people like we are that there's way too much bouncing of the ball and dribble, dribble, dribble. And, uh, it kind of drives me nuts. And uh, so we, you know, we share the ball and we pass the ball and we move. And the, the hardest thing right now, I don't know if you, it's, it's hard for me. I consider myself more of an offensive coach. I have two great assistants who really focus on the defense. Uh, I was never much of a defensive player anyway. And, uh, and our defense has been fantastic the last few years. Uh, but uh, you, you got to have, you got to have a body movement in order to have ball movement. People want to talk about, well, you got to have ball movement. You gotta have, well, you got to have body movement first. So to teach kids to play without the ball th these days is, I, I think, is a huge challenge. Uh, so we spend a lot of time uh, doing that and, and fundamentals and footwork, footwork, footwork. Uh, I don't want at any time to be called for a travel. 
you know, that just drives me nuts. So we work tremendously hard on footwork and, and passing the ball and sharing the ball and, uh, and just, and, and again, building those relationships with ourselves and with each other uh, and, and learning more about uh, each other. And in the process of that, learning more about ourselves. <clears throat> and, and, you know, what I've seen through the past couple of years, is like, you know, like when Shake first came to the college, right? He put it on the floor, coach catch a little whistle, swing the ball. And he got so upset because he, he just came from an era where just put it on the, put it on the floor. But like you say, moving the ball in this offense, you had to be, you know, you, you had to be mentally there. You could not take breaks because you, what do you see the changes? Cause now we got, you know, what six eight six nine running the point it's different right now you know in the three-point line they're shooting from half court now you know what 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 brought on this change well i, I mean everybody wants to be a guard you know that uh everybody wants to shoot the three you know i've, I've got one of my, my my lefty the two twins two six five six six twins uh one of them the lefty is, is a great shooter i have to let him pick and pop uh, I have to let him trail uh, in transition sometimes and swing it to the top of the key and he's right there and let him shoot it because he can make it. Um, so, and that's, that's going to be part of our next year's philosophy. But, uh, um, you know, I think kids are more skillful, but I also think that there's been a, there's a slight problem with, I mean, I got kids who can handle the ball and they're really good against cones, right? <laughs> oh, the cone is there. I can make a great move against that cone, you know? But then the defense comes and, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? My dribble, I'm dribbling too high. You know, I'm dribbling too slow. I, it gets my pocket gets picked. So, um, you know, <laughs> the, the, all these individual coaches out there who, you know, doing all this cone work and doing this and doing that. And like some of it's good. As long as the kids are playing, I, I'm OK. I mean, if they're right, they got a ball in their hands. It's great. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not sure everything that's being uh, taught is is exactly lines up with our philosophy and and the way the game actually should be played. That As, makes sense. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot of people have great marketing skills out there. You know, they're not, for one thing, what I hate to see, I, I'll, I'll look at a video and I'll see a shooting video, right? Now, the way, the rule for driving is ball, you, man. That's how you drive. Ball's yep. here, you, the man here. And that changes on both sides of the floor. If I'm, if I'm facing the rim this way and I'm on the right side of the floor, the left, I have a left pivot on the right side of the floor. So when I, if I want to drive in the middle, my right comes over, ball you right. man. Right. It switches on the, on the left side of the floor. My it right does. is my pivot, so my left comes across. When I see videos, Kids coming to the left side using their same foot as coming to the right side, they're not being taught. And then, yeah, they're making their shots. But what if that, that defensive player is on? You don't have that shot. You can't drive and you can't take that shot. So that's bad teaching. And it's like it's a little detail thing that, that people don't see. Well, it reminds me of, of, of Chris Joseph. I don't remember Chris Joseph was a Canadian player who played at Syracuse years ago. Uh, Chris Joseph was very up six, seven, six, eight. He pivoted on his right foot everywhere. And I'd watch it and I'm like, what, what is going on? What, he's, everywhere he's pivoting on his right foot. Now, as, a, as I teach, and we talk about footwork, I think a, a right-handed player is pivoting on his left foot probably 90% of the time. But there are times you have to be taught when you're coming up off some sort of pin down screen on that left side, 
and you're ready to shoot. Your right foot has to be your pivot foot. That's your inside foot. So you have to learn that, right, Mel? And and uh, you're you're exactly right. Little nuanced things like that are are going untaught and and unremarked. It's happening in practice. So I look at my younger coaches, my modified coaches, and my our, our JV coaches and our, our our younger coaches, and I say, guys, that can't go unremarked. We have to fix that right now. Don't let it go, please. It transitions to levels. When you get in college and you can't read the screen, you can't use the screen, you can't identify what screen, whether it's a curl, straight to the ball, flare, those things kids don't have, don't, don't know anything about. So you, as a college coach, when you got to, to put in the play, you don't have time to teach that. And you're not using that right. That's why my kids aren't getting playing time because those transferable skills are not being going used from high school to college. Um, exactly. Yeah. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now Jermel President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And his philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically teaches the game of basketball focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. In, in closing, Coach, we, we uh, made something, we designed something called Oatmeal Recipe in the Day Foundation, which is uh, um, education, uh, nutrition, and skill development. And I think had I, would, had, I had that information when I was coming up, it made me a whole lot of effect. It's on education of the sport. Um, how to take care of your body, um, and then being more more skilled. So you know, I want to hear your opinion on on, on skill development on the oatmeal recipe, and how do you apply it to your life? Let's start with uh, skill development. Well, the, we we talked a lot about skill development, and and, I, and again, um, I don't know if you use this. I, um, we use a heavy ball a lot these days uh, in passing drills. Uh, because I, I, again, we want the kids to get stronger and, and uh, we're spending more time in the weight room uh, because again, we have to compete. So if we're, you know, talking about those, those, and, and skill, I was thinking the other day, we, you're talking about basketball skills, specific basketball skills. I'm talking one about skill that I think, in the row, just if, if, go ahead. Well, one of those skills that I, you're exactly right, that, that needs to be taught these days more than anything is the ability to communicate. Yes. We have kids who do not talk, uh, who won't. Uh, I have a point guard coming up as a sophomore. I can't get him to open his mouth. So that's a skill that has to be taught. Um, we have to teach them the certain words to say, when to say them, how to say them. And uh, so communication, I, I've taught public speaking for like, like last 25 years. And that is a, uh, that's a skill that, that has to be taught uh, on a daily basis. We can't just think we're going to teach it once and then forget about it. Oh, it's all good. Okay. We have to keep coming back to it, revisiting it and revisiting it. Uh, so I think the whole idea of communication and, and, um, and, and when that happens and where that happens and why that happens is absolutely vital. Uh, so that's a skill that, that we've been working on for a while now.
I agree with you because <clears throat> we talking about skill communication. I'm in my first interview with Tony Shufo. I, I mean, I did horrible to the point where I asked Tony Shufo, I was like, listen, can you just give me the questions before they come? It was the funniest <laughs> bloop I have ever seen. But now <clears throat> I can't keep the mic out of my, out of my face, right? Right, um, right. Education. Um, and not education as far as reading and writing. Um, education as far as just, just knowing the game of basketball, right? How important is that to you? Well, it, it's again, you, you, you touched on it earlier uh, much better than I did. The whole idea that, that uh, that's the basketball is the, is, the, is the thing that brings everybody together. You know, it, it, there, there's I mean, on the court and off the court and, and just seeing uh, everybody come together. And I don't care where they grew up or how they grew up or, or, or who they are, or who their parents are or something, that basketball uh, means so much. And so we try to drive that idea home that, that that's part of your education. Education doesn't just happen in the classroom. Um, sure. uh, there's, there's, there's a sign on my, on my wall in my classroom that says a child educated only at school is an uneducated child. Mm. All right. Education happens everywhere, Mel. And, and, and it happens with me. When I went to the College of Charleston, you guys educated me. I learned about Jamel President. I got calls at midnight from Cedric Weber, you know, because you're complaining about something. Coach, coach, come on, coach. You know, so I, you know, I got these these calls all the time from from people, and 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 I learned from you know Anthony and I, you know, playing little shooting games or something. I, you know, I, I learned so much from you guys, and and I, I try to hit, drive that home to both our players and my students uh, in the classroom that that uh, this is just a small part of of your education. Um, there's a there's a book written by a, a, a woman, uh, Tara Westover. You should read it. It's called Educated, and she grew up uh, this fundamental. Uh, she was a fundamental Mormon in Idaho, and her parents never let her have an education, but she got one anyway because she started stealing these books. Right? Wow. She took a she took an ACT exam unbeknownst to her parents because they didn't trust the government, they didn't trust anything. Right? She got into BYU. <clears throat> She ended up being like a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford University in England, but but she writes this book called Educated about her experiences. When, when her first her first class, Mel, she sat in a, a class at BYU and they talked about the Holocaust. She raised her hand and she says, "I'm sorry, but what is the Holocaust?" And everybody thought she was an anti-Semite. That she was she was she didn't know what the Holocaust was. Wow. And and she talks about her her education and and. Um, and how education gives all of us choice. And if we, the more choices we have, the more freedoms we enjoy. Because if we don't have an education, we're limiting those choices. So essentially we're limiting our freedom, right? And, and that's, I mean, that's essentially, you know, what, what the book boils down to. And I mean, it's, a, it's a great read. And uh, I think that, again, education uh, under the right circumstances can happen just as much on a football field, a lacrosse pitch, a basketball court, uh, under the right circumstances as it can in the classroom. I agree. And the last one, Coach, is nutrition. And, you know, what I think, you know, hearing uh, the guests talk about not only is food, is sleep, right? Taking care of your body so it can perform um, at its best level. What's your, what's your take? Well, the, the sleep is really important. And, and I can say that as a father <laughs> with my, my two sons um, and, and allowing them to, to get that, that kind of rest or, or demanding that they get that kind of rest to put that, uh, that cell phone somewhere else and not keep it in their room. 
and, and leave it in the living room or leave it in the kitchen or leave it somewhere else and get it out of their room so that they can sleep and they're not they're not drawn to that social media world that's so toxic these days and and uh, and and that's that's part of it I think and the nutrition you bring up and and I'm 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 not a good person <laughs> I, I I have to have my pasta Mel and, I, and bread is my biggest downfall uh, but uh, I I totally agree my my sons are much better at it. My oldest son, in particular, who's who's in the weight room every single day uh, with St. Bonaventure with the guys, and um, he uh, he's very adamant about uh, the vegetables and um, and about uh, eggs in the morning and uh, the protein, protein, protein. Um, he's not he won't eat sweets. He stays away from from a lot of the candy. He stays away from sugar, sugar, sugar because that's that's something that's in our diet. Um, but it, it, it's kind of messed up, though, Mel, isn't it? All the all the, the cheap food is the bad food, right? The expensive right. food, <clears throat> people can't, a lot of people can't afford, right? That's right. the good stuff. That's right. So that's it's kind of messed up. Right. Well, I mean, I, I would make the difference a little bit, Coach, Coach, because you know if you go to um, uh, what's that? Um, what's the place? Uh, Chipotle. You know, uh, right? <clears throat> vegetable and rice is seven dollars, and the chicken, you know, is ten. So. I mean, you know, it it depends on, on what you eat, but you have to, um, you have to get yourself geared to understand how important nutrition, is, especially if you're an athlete. I mean, you that's why they they exhaust themselves out by halftime because they don't have the proper nutrients in their body. Right. Uh, I was just reading this morning. Um, <clears throat> I love the Yankees, right? And, and Glaber Torres is their their shortstop, and and uh, he went under a whole new diet and a whole new regimen in the off season. And he's in 10 times better shape uh, this year than he was last year because he cut out sugars and he, and he cut out, you know, certain things out of his diet. And there's a professional athlete at the top of his game and he knows that he's got to improve and be better. You know, so if he's telling us to do that, then we probably uh, should listen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, coach, that's our, that's our time. But God, I really appreciate it. I ain't seen you in a long time. Make sure you tell no. tell the wife I say hello too, because again, she was there. She was quiet. Just you know, it's very supportive, you know, tell her we say hello as well. Well, thank you. And, and, and give your family uh, our love and, and our best. And, uh, you know, we miss you guys and we had fond memories and, and a lot of stories that we didn't even talk about. That we, sure. we have to one of these days, sure. uh, a lot of John Crest stories. John Crest was, was, was the greatest. And uh, um, so there's you know, a lot of stories to share. And, sure. and, I, and I really, I miss you guys. And I, and I think of you all the time. And, um, and I want you to know that. So you're always in my heart. That's what's up, Coach. Okay. All right, Mel. Appreciate you, big guy. Hey, you, you too. Day, watch some good right. games tomorrow. Oh, I will. Okay. Yes, All sir. Right. Love you, man. All right. Take okay. care. Bye. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. Uh, thanks to, to Coach Evans for coming on and, and sharing some of those experiences with us. Uh, coming up next, we got Charlton Singleton, which is a, a local hero, um, worldly known nationally recognized um and being a, a musician um like everything else um started off like sports so uh sports was a huge um start for him and, and helped him to propel into a, a great career so um we'll be right back what Jermel is doing with today foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes First of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to 
trained properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs. Looking out for the best interest of the youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing. And hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Thank you.